Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Question, why does God choose the people he chooses to do the work that others could? With an answer to that question and more, here's First Pres Executive Director, Chris Pan. Good morning. Oh man, come on, you got people live online who are going to hear you. Good morning. All right. Uh, good morning. I'm Chris Pan. I'm the executive director of the church. It is great to be here and uh, great to have you all uh, with us here this morning. Uh, we're continuing on in our sermon series, uh, Preaching from the Lectionary. And the Sunday after uh, Easter, we began preaching from the lectionary, which is this ancient schedule of readings uh, that the Christian church has done for um, centuries. And it ties us in with the church universal, you know, reading through different passages of scripture every week. Usually there's a psalm, which Pastor Dan read this morning. There is a, you know, a reading from a, one of the, the letters. There is a reading from the Old Testament. There's a reading from the Gospel. Today, I'm going to talk about Isaiah and Romans. And what I really like about the lectionary is that not only does it tie us through the, you know, get us into the whole Bible, but it also allows us to make interesting connections between passages that we otherwise wouldn't necessarily think of. Um, if you want to follow along with the lectionary, you can go to lectionarypage.net, and you can see all of the readings for that week. You can read them, read them along during that week and see what uh, is coming up during the sermon coming up on Sunday. Um, our passage from Romans today is about the adoption, our adoption into God's family. And our passage from Isaiah is this famous passage in which the prophet Isaiah encounters the holiness of God and then responds to God's call by saying, uh, here I am, send me. Uh, and so let me start with a little story. Uh, soon after I got married, uh, my wife Aliyah and I moved to New York City. And I uh, finished law school there and Aliyah was finishing her PhD. And we lived in Manhattan in this, uh, on the third floor of this six-story walk-up. And, uh, you know, neighbors below us, neighbors above us, it was relatively quiet and friendly building, or as uh, quiet and friendly as you're going to get in a, an apartment building in Manhattan. Uh, one night, it was decidedly not quiet or friendly. Um, 3 a.m. in the morning, we wake up to our upstairs neighbor you know, banging around on his hardwood floors. Uh, it sounds like he's playing basketball up there, just like banging around, yelling, laughing. Um, and we wait for it to die down, but it doesn't die down. And so after a while, it becomes very clear to me that someone's got to go upstairs and tell these guys to quiet down. Uh, and so I turn to Ali and I say, can you please go upstairs and tell them to quiet down? Um, and my lovely wife, God bless her, who uh, fears nothing but uh, God and clutter, uh, immediately gets up, goes upstairs and tells them, you guys got to quiet down, and they quiet down. Um, uh, I realize this story does not put me in the best light as a, as a husband, uh, but authenticity is a core value of our church. We are all in need of a little grace. Uh, our sermon title for today is, Here I am, Lord, send someone else. Here I am, Lord, send someone else. As we go through our sermon today, ask yourself uh, two questions. One, what is God saying to me? And two, what does he want me to do about it? So what is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? Will you join me in prayer now? God, we take a deep breath and we come into your presence. It is so good to worship you together. Heavenly Father, we invite your spirit now into this time, into this sanctuary, into every home where we are worshiping together. May we hear your words now. We thank you for your love for us. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ and all God's children say, Amen. Isaiah was a prophet who lived 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Uh, and he prophesies about God's judgment and the hope of a Messiah 
for 64 years over the reigns of four different kings. Uh, and he preached to people who, he prophesied to people who are resistant or hostile. Uh, in our passage today in Isaiah 6, Isaiah describes his encounter with God, with God's holiness, uh, seeing God on a throne surrounded by angels, uh, these six-winged angels called seraphs. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read our passage now, and as I do, picture this scene in your mind. It's a beautiful description. Picture the size of God's robe. Picture angels in flight, these six-winged angels called seraphs. Picture the smoke and the heat of a burning coal, a presence of God. Uh, if it helps, feel free to close your eyes. The words of the prophet Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a remarkable piece of autobiography. This profound experience fuels Isaiah's life and his ability to persevere in a difficult task for 64 years. When God asks, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah readily volunteers without hesitation. He responds not because of his own skill or talent. He responds because it's a natural response to seeing God's glory and being aware of his own need. Isaiah's story is the truth of the gospel itself. Isaiah sees the glory of God for himself. He has this personal, real, intimate experience with God, seeing God on the throne in all of his holiness surrounded by angels. And once Isaiah has seen God's glory, he's aware of his need, his inadequacy, his own weakness and failure and failings. He declares, woe is me, I am lost. And in that place of brokenness and awareness of his need, God acts to cleanse and restore Isaiah. One of the seraphs flies to Isaiah, touching his mouth with a live coal and declares, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. God initiates. God justifies. God removes Isaiah's guilt and sin. It's not up to Isaiah to try harder or be better or get cleaner. He can't cleanse himself. All Isaiah does is acknowledge his need. And that's the good news of the gospel, that we can't get right with God by trying harder or being better. We get right with God because God acts to cleanse us. God acts to cleanse us while we're still sinners. 
God made a way through Jesus Christ for us. Isaiah sees the glory of God, admits his need, and is cleansed by God. And then he readily enthusiastically responds to the call, whom shall I send, who will, I go for us? Who will go for us? He responds, here am I, send me. Isaiah's faithfulness and uh, willingness to volunteer are shining examples of obedience. And we are surrounded by people today who have also responded to the call with obedience, with here I am, send me. You know, we are able to meet today in person, and we have been for the last few weeks and months, because of the work of great paid staff like David Chang and Roz, but also because of an army of volunteers who have come forward to help us do this. People like Bill Hicks and Adal Chong. There's an army of volunteers, hospitality volunteers, every single week who come and make sure that the sanctuary is safe, that we can meet together and worship together as a community again. And the vast majority of you today are watching online. And you're able to watch online as I preach live because of volunteers. And I am preaching live. It is 10.29. It is wild. This is live. Uh, for those of you watching online, you can watch this because of volunteers. So thank you, Ellery. Thank you, all the cameramen. Thank you for everybody in the back who are doing technical jobs that I can't even understand. There are others in the church who volunteered all throughout the pandemic at the pantry or um, the food bank, volunteering so that people in need could have access to food. There are people who volunteered and continue to donate blood uh, to the blood bank, which is in dire need of blood, all throughout the pandemic, even though we didn't have the blood mobile here. And I'm inspired by all you volunteers. I'm inspired by your faithfulness, for, by your response to say, here I am, send me. I'm inspired because I don't relate. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a volunteer. Uh, I get voluntold is a new phrase I, I, I heard the other day. People like Isaiah, people like these volunteers, you guys are like the model students. People like Captain America who goes and volunteers to fight the Nazis. Um, I identify much more with another biblical character named Moses. And if you're unfamiliar with Moses' story, Moses has an experience very similar to Isaiah's. Moses has a meeting with God. Uh, and in the books of Exodus, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. Uh, and God says to Moses, and he declares that the ground around the burning bush is holy ground. Holy, holy, holy. Does it sound familiar? And God actually calls Moses by name. And Moses responds, here I am. And then just like Isaiah, Moses has this personal and intimate encounter with God where he recognizes his own inadequacy and he hides his face from God and God's holiness. And then God gives Moses a very clear and unambiguous job. God says to Moses in Exodus 3, So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. How does Moses respond? Does he respond like Isaiah and say, Here I am, send me? Not at all. Moses responds by arguing with God for the next 28 verses over two chapters of the Bible. Moses goes back and forth with God five times and tells God, You've got the wrong guy. I'm not qualified. I'm going to mess this job up. I'm going to fail at it. Um, and God patiently reassures Moses throughout this time. And he performs miracles to reassure Moses by turning a staff into a snake, by uh, giving and taking away instant leprosy. But none of this convinces Moses. And so in Exodus 4.13, it records Moses' fifth and final response to God's unambiguous call. Moses said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. That's my guy, Moses. 
Here I am, Lord, send someone else. That is a biblical answer. You thought that my sermon title was a joke, but no, it's a biblical answer. Here I am, Lord, send someone else. Moses gets me. Moses knows how I feel. Uh, And of course, God doesn't send someone else. God sends Moses, just like God sends Isaiah, and just like God sends us. Remember a few weeks back uh, when we looked after Easter, when Jesus appears after the resurrection to his disciples, he says to them, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Look, we can uh, volunteer like Isaiah. We can go reluctantly like Moses. But it doesn't change the fact that God is sending us. And he's sending us to a world in desperate need, a world post-COVID, a world in desperate need today of peacemakers, which is what we are called to be. God has a job for us, and uniquely us. He sends us even when he has better options. When I read Isaiah 6, I hear God say and ask, whom shall I send, who will go for us? And I think that the answer is ridiculously obvious. I think, here I am, God, why don't you send the seraphs? They're like, God, you're surrounded by these six-winged angels who can fly and can speak and can hold tongs. Send them. Why are you sending me? If you want a message to be sent, send flying, talking, tongue-carrying angels. Why send Isaiah? Why send Moses, who's a shepherd? Why send me or you? Aren't angels a much better option? But God chooses Isaiah instead of angels. He chooses Moses, a shepherd, instead of angels. And he chooses us instead of angels. God chooses you and me. Mike Pilavachi, a friend of this church and a a pastor in England, preached from this very podium, this very pulpit, um, years ago on this passage, Isaiah 6. And Mike is a pastor with years of experience, and he's spoken at conferences to thousands of people. And I still, rem- Mike's, I still remember Mike's sermon. It was entitled, Wow, Woe, Go. And he talked about going to the Grand Canyon and seeing the majesty and grandeur and beauty of the Grand Canyon and how that uh, uh, mirrored Isaiah's experience in this chapter, uh, in, in this passage. He talked about seeing the beauty of the Grand Canyon, and that's like God, uh, Isaiah seeing God's beauty. And I was, wow. And then he went hiking and he felt, whoa, because he realized his own inadequacy as he was hiking. And that's like Isaiah. And then he realized, I should go and tell people about this beautiful thing. I still remember that sermon without notes or without having to look anything up. I don't remember what I preached about last month, but I remember Mike Pilavachi's sermon. And so when I got this passage, Isaiah 6, I thought, what am I doing? Let's just roll footage of Mike Pilavachi's sermon. It's way better. Uh, Here I am, Lord. Send Mike Pilavachi. Send some seraphs. Send someone else. But God chooses us, and he sends us. And it's not a mistake, and it's not for lack of better options. God chooses us instead of angels, and he chooses us instead of that person over there that you might think is a better speaker or a kinder person or a smarter person or more organized or more patient or maybe just all around a better person. He chooses us in all of our failures and weaknesses in this time and space to go to a world in need. He chooses us. He chooses us instead of flying angels and Mike Pilavachi, you and me, to go into a world in need. A few years ago, a great guy uh, in the church invited me to a barbecue uh, at his house. Uh, his son was coming in from out of town 
and he told me that, you know, uh, his son and his kids were about my same age. And so he wanted me to come over um, to meet them. Uh, and I couldn't make it. I don't remember why. Uh, you know, my kids had something or I was out of town. I, something um, prevented me from making it that day. Um, but a few weeks later, I caught up with him. And I asked him, hey, how'd the barbecue go? And he told me, uh, you know, you couldn't make it, but we still had that barbecue that day. And I got to tell you, um, I wanted you to come because you're the same age as my kids. And I hope that you come over and that you talk to them about God. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, but we still had the barbecue, and we had this great afternoon. At the end of the afternoon, my daughter actually paused and said, Dad, uh, you seem really different. What's changed about you? And he said, he, he told them, he said, uh, he had this opportunity to tell everyone. He's like, well, actually, uh, I have changed. I am different. Uh, I've met Jesus. I've been going to church. I'm much more at peace, and, and I'm calmer. I'm happier. I have purpose in my life. Um, I love that story because uh, I know that some of you are fearless like my wife and always answer, here I am, send me. But the rest of us, we say, here I am, send someone else. And I might think, send Mike Pilavachi, and he might think, send me, which is crazy. But we're all thinking that there's someone else out there who can do the job better than us. And the truth is that God can absolutely send somebody else. God can absolutely send someone who's stronger or smarter or better organized or someone with six wings. Uh, but God doesn't. He sends you and he sends me. He sends us into a world in need, knowing all about us. You might be thinking, oh, that's all fine and good, Chris, but send us to do what? And that's why I love going through the lectionary because our passage in Romans today really connects us in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise um, thought. Isaiah was sent as a prophet to tell people about God's judgment and the promise of a coming Messiah. And we're sent into a world in which that Messiah has come in the form of Jesus Christ. And we're sent into the world with the Holy Spirit as our counselor. We're sent into the world to tell the good news that we are the adopted children of God. And that is a message that six-winged angels cannot tell. Our other passage from the lectionary today is from Romans 8, where the Apostle Paul writes about how we're God's children adopted into God's family. Paul writes, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We are children of God, adopted into God's family. You know, I read a lot of commentaries when I prep for sermons, and uh, one of these commentaries had this incredibly long and well-researched um, explanation about first-century Roman adoption customs and how groundbreaking what Paul is saying is in that context. Another commentary explained that uh, Abba here is Aramaic for father. It's what Jesus uh, called God. And so in this context, when Paul is saying, we call God Abba, Father, it's we call God Abba the way Jesus does, and we call him uh, Father in Greek, the language of the day. And as fascinating as I found all of that, and as fascinating as I'm sure that you would find all that, what struck me about this passage wasn't all of that. It was really just one word. It was the word adoption. Adoption. Um, or really a three-word phrase, spirit of adoption. I couldn't get over it. Uh, as I just thought about this passage, what's the spirit of adoption? 
we've received the spirit of adoption. The God in Isaiah's vision, the king, the Lord of hosts, seated on a throne high and mighty, surrounded by angels, in glory adopts us as his children. He adopts you and me. He's our father. And that's the good news of the gospel, the heart of the gospel, that God adopts us, that we no longer have a spirit of slavery or fear, but we have a spirit of adoption. You know, sometimes it's nice to know a lot in your brain, uh, and sometimes it's nice to just feel it. And so I'm going to show this video because it will do a much better job than I ever can um, of showing you what the spirit of adoption is, what the spirit of adoption looks like. Uh, this is a video of Ivy. Um, who is a 10-year-old foster child, opening presents on her birthday. Uh, and Ivy has been living with her foster parents for three years um, when she opens this last present. All right, well, there's one more gift. We have one more gift. It's not from Grammy, but it's, yeah, it's another gift. There we go. I want you to read it. I'm going to be adopted? Sweetheart, will always be your parents. Okay? You're a, always be your real family. I'm not crying, you're crying. You have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We've received a spirit of adoption. We are like Ivy, adopted into God's family. That joy, that love, that emotion, that is ours. Do you feel that? Do you know that you're adopted, not just in your head, but in the very core of your bones, that you, like Ivy, are adopted, that God loves you? That's God's love for you. And that's what we're sent to share with the world in need that that spirit of adoption, that love, is available to all. I grapple with this idea of a spirit of adoption, and so I dutifully watched every video online of these adoptions, and I cried all week um, to prepare for this sermon, prepare for you. Uh, and as I watched all these videos, I realized that over time, my attention shifted from watching the children in these videos um, to watching the parents and the reaction of the parents, because I can understand the reaction of adopted child and that joy um, when I started watching the reaction of mothers and fathers, it gave me a totally new glimpse into the heart of God. Because the, the spirit of adoption isn't just that we rejoice that we are adopted. It's that God rejoices that we are his children. God rejoices that we agree to be adopted by him. God Almighty, the King, sitting on a throne high and lofty, surrounded by angels, adopts us and is our Father. And he rejoices for us, his children, he rejoices like a parent. He rejoices over us. He renews us with love. He exalts over us with singing. That's what the Bible says. Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah writes this. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God, your Father, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud 
singing. You know, I'm sure you, like me, many of us, uh, find it easier to picture God, uh, a heavenly king, sitting on a throne surrounded by flying angels, um, rather than God, a loving father, bursting with joy and emotion about us, his children. And so, I want to show one more video about a father on Father's Day who receives a Father's Day present from his stepdaughter. And as we watch, as we see the emotion of this father, uh, can we feel deep in our bones that this is the emotion of our Heavenly Father for us. That this is the emotion that God has for us. This is his love and emotion and heart for you and for me and for a world in need. So this says, yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, God. To Dad, love Mackenzie. Happy Father's Day. There's a picture of me and you and you. Just a little Keep reading. Squirt. Keep reading. Okay, I'll get there. I'll get there. A biological father and a real father are not the same thing. You share DNA with a biological father. But you share so much more with the real dad. You share hopes, your dreams. Your ambitions. Your worries in life. He watches out for you, cares for you, and loves you. He smiles when you're happy. If someone hurts you, <laughs> he hurts them, or they hurt him. He's proud of you. What's the best for you? You seem pretty real to me. I love you and want you to be my daddy forever. Will you adopt me? Love you, Dad. Where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> That is the heart of God for us, his adopted children. Can we grasp that love? You've received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Is this God, our Heavenly Father, full of love who asks us, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Our Heavenly Father asks, who will tell the world about this love, about my love for the world in need? And how can we respond with anything but, here I am, send me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? 
Let's take a few moments now to just come into God's presence, our Heavenly Father. What is God saying to you? What does he want you to do about it? I know that many of us can picture a God on a throne surrounded by angels. But maybe seeing God as a proud and loving father is new. Maybe today you're seeing God's open and inviting arms to you in a new way. And if you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, to be adopted into God's family, or if you're a lifelong Christian who's just never seen God, the Heavenly Father's love for you in this way, join me in a short prayer. And the words will be familiar because they're written by that young stepdaughter whose honesty is more real than anything I could say or write. God, Abba, Father, I want to share my hopes and dreams, my ambitions and worries about life with you. God, thank you for watching out for me and caring for me and loving me. You smile when I smile and you hurt when I hurt. God, you're proud of me and you want the best for me. You seem pretty real to me. I love you and want you to be my father forever. Heavenly Father, will you adopt me? Heavenly Father, I am aware of my need for you. Thank you for making a way through your son, Jesus Christ, my co-heir. Be my God and Heavenly Father, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, all God's children say, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer here today in that sanctuary um, for the first time, I would love to pray with you. Please find me at the door after the service. If you prayed that prayer online, please feel free to click on the button in the chat panel. We would love to follow up with you. Our Heavenly Father rejoices over us. He exalts over us. He sings over us. May you know that love this week. And may you go. May you say, here I am, and be sent into a world in need. Please receive this final blessing. May the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. For those in the sanctuary, please be seated. Uh, I've got just a few words to bid adieu to our friends online, our community. Thank you so much for joining us online. Um, please know that you can see these sermons. They're posted on the website uh, relatively quickly uh, in the beginning of the week. Please stick around for a connect group. You can jump on Zoom and talk to other folks about the sermon and connect. And uh, God bless you and see you next week. The same God who created the universe loves you so dearly and deeply. He invites you to be a part of his family. If you missed any of today's sermon, or if you want to catch up on something from previous weeks, you can find past sermons on our website, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find this sermon on most major podcast services. In-person worship has resumed, but in limited capacity, and there are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every Sunday. If you'd like to participate, you'll need to sign up through the website on a weekly basis. And both services will be streamed live on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. 
Continue to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and registration for in-person worship. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Danchon and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.